podcast and I'm Lizanne Flynn. Before we get started talking about zoos versus sanctuaries, talking a little bit about conservation for animals in the wild, there was something that came across my Facebook feed that I thought was just so incredibly powerful that I wanted to share it with you. And the author is unknown if I do come across whoever the author is, most definitely I'll put that uh, credit in the podcast uh, notes up on Buzzsprout. And I, and this kind of goes along the theme of I think how we, how we as humans interact with animals in our lives, um, companion animals, how we, as a species, decide how we're going to act with and interact with animals in the wild, whether we put them in zoos. Um, that's a big no on my part. <laughs> Again, we'll get into that in just a second. I'm also a little concerned. Something came across my Facebook feed in talking about now that research is no longer being conducted, then what happens to all of the animals that are held in research um, laboratories across the country and probably frankly across the world. And it struck me that the saying of we're all in this together, and I think I said in the last podcast that humans really love platitudes. You know, we like nothing more than something to whiz across our social media feed or say something to someone else and say, oh, you know, well, we're all this in this together. And the actuality is I don't perceive we are not. And this was a post that really spoke um, incredibly well to that. So here it is. We are not in the same boat. I heard that we are all in the same boat, but it's not like that. We're in the same storm, but not in the same boat. Your ship could be shipwrecked and mine might not be, or vice versa. For some, quarantine is optimal, a moment of reflection, of reconnection, easy in flip-flops with a cocktail or coffee. For others, this is a desperate financial and family crisis. For some that live alone, they're facing endless loneliness, while for others it is peace, rest and time with their mother, father, sons, and daughters. With a $600 weekly increase in unemployment, some are bringing in more money to their households than when they were working. Others are working more hours for less money due to pay cuts or loss in sales. Some families of four just received $3,400 from the stimulus, or while other families of four saw $0. Some were concerned about getting a certain candy for Easter, while others were concerned if there would be enough bread, milk, and eggs for the weekend. Some want to go back to work because they don't qualify for unemployment and are running out of money. Others want to kill those who break the quarantine. Some are home spending two to three hours a day helping their child with online schooling, while others are spending two to three hours a day to educate their children on top of a 10 to 12 hour workday. 
Some have experienced the near death of the virus, some have already lost someone from it, and some are not sure if their loved ones are going to make it. Others don't believe that this is a big deal. Some have faith in God and expect miracles during this 2020. Others say the worst is yet to come. So, friends, we are not in the same boat. We are going through a time when our perceptions and needs are completely different. Each of us will emerge in our own way from this storm. It is very important to see beyond what is seen at first glance. Not just looking, actually seeing. We are all on different ships during this storm, experiencing a very different journey. And I'm hoping that that resonates with you all because it certainly resonated with me. My sense is that individuals who have a, a public stage, a public forum, who want to donate their time and energy. I actually think Some Good News by John Krasinski is really lovely because it's not about John Krasinski and he doesn't say we're all in this together. He's just asking you to redirect and kind of refocus to a different place because we all see things differently and that's based on our life experiences, our perspective at the time, our life perceptions about a particular situation. Over and over again, the word that comes to my mind, at least at this point in time, is compassion. That if we can have compassion for the lack of equity that exists between all of us at this point in time, and compassion for the way that this lack of equity is being so brilliantly highlighted and maybe compassion will lead us on our journey in wisdom so we can get to a place where we're not talking about making everybody equal we are talking about making everybody equitable so that your needs might be different than my needs and that's okay we each get to say what the what each one of us needs and wants because as the author unknown said so beautifully we're not in the we're not in the same boat we're in the same storm and again compassion for everybody else's boat and maybe even just a neutral observation of everybody's boat I think will kind of go a long way in getting us through this I spoke a little bit earlier about zoos that's a big no from me and you're probably not ever going to convince me <laughs> that zoos are a good thing because I think of zoos I think of aquariums I think of places that hold large um, marine mammals as not being a good thing and I know that conservation versus preservation and I do think there's a difference preservation is I'm going to preserve you whatever environment that sentient being or you happen to be in I'm gonna do my best to preserve you in that particular environment in that particular setting conservation I tend to take a rather dim view of and certainly if you want to write me an email or comment on the podcast I would welcome that my sense of conservation, and we'll get back, this kind of ties back into zoos, because my sense of conservation is that 
it's a study and to a certain extent in order to study something you have to remove it from its natural environment and bring it into a place and sometimes you have to capture that being in the wild in order to understand how it works. You might uh, perform tests on it, you might uh, put it through certain experiments, all sorts of things. The bottom line for me is that that has altered dramatically not only the life path of that particular sentient being in most cases, but also then the life paths of all the other sentient beings who are working in balance with that particular other sentient being. I understand from a human perspective that some folks are in, in really in favor of conservation and for instance of breeding in zoos. And they might say to me, well, this Anne, that Sumatran tigers are actually on the decline, they're an endangered species, and the more that we can kind of breed in captivity, that it's a very good thing to be able to breed in captivity. And I would invite you, if that happens to be you, to maybe dial up your most recent don't do Tiger King, please promise me you won't do that. <laughs> but maybe dial up your most, I don't know, favorite Animal Planet channel of life in a zoo, life behind a zoo, life under a zoo, etc. And see if you can put yourself in place of that particular species to where, uh, for instance, your your cycles might be tracked so that, oh, well, this particular being, we know that she's coming into um, her cycle where she might be most fertile, and so then we're going to put her and perhaps maybe another tiger that she's seen before, perhaps not, um, and see whether, you know, we can kind of uh, fix this and make this happen. And I have to say, again, from a human perspective, you, you might imagine how that would be if you were inside a zoo. And no, I don't think that's too much of a stretch or a leap to make. If you were inside a zoo and all of a sudden your cycle as a breeding possible female was being tracked and all of a sudden you're basically put into um, a closed room with another male of our species and because humans were endangered at that point in time that you were basically not forced but certainly not optimal situations for choosing then to bring life into this world. And then I think about the animals that are born in captivity and I, I feel sad for them. I feel sad that they're not likely ever to experience life on the planet as I think they chose in taking, for instance, again, tiger form for themselves on this planet. They're, they're not going to know what it's like to be out into the wild and to basically hunt for their food. Yes, I know that there are enrichment activities. I know that the intention of the zookeepers are probably a positive one. For me, it's it's probably more of a thing where I put myself in the animal's place and if I couldn't do the thing that I really wanted to do most in my natural environment and then not only that but I was forced to bring children and young into the planet and raise them in not the natural environment, 
all because another species said, well, your numbers are dwindling and it's really important, frankly, to us to make sure that your number numbers don't basically go extinct. And so we're going to want you to do this sort of a thing for us so that your numbers don't kind of die out. And again, I, w I have to ask the question, why? It's not that I would want any species to become extinct. And I do think it's true, and I've quoted before from the 2012 marine mammal um, census that was done, when it became apparent that there were actually uh, species of beings on the planet that we hadn't even quote-unquote discovered yet, that are were actually becoming extinct before we again air quotes discovered them because and I say the whole air quote thing because I think it's true that humans have this perspective that something doesn't exist until we've discovered it which isn't really true <laughs> right they just you know whatever species have been were coming were becoming extinct before we discovered them doesn't mean that those species didn't exist in the first place but that's of course the myopic view that I think humans some can take against animals, other, you know, as we like to call them, um, non-human animals on the planet. Sanctuaries, I think, can be a positive thing, you know, and again, sometimes with sanctuaries there can be a bit of a shadow aspect of conservation and of wanting to conserve a particular species but then again I think the interaction of other humans for instance going to a sanctuary visiting the sanctuary for me that becomes maybe a little bit more of a blurred line between a zoo and a sanctuary I can't say enough about the wild animal sanctuary that's located here in my home state of Colorado I mentioned before that its founder Pat Craig when I was my first ever <laughs> radio show guest. Bless him for doing that umpteen years ago. And if you ever have a chance going out to visit that sanctuary, it's a wonderful thing. They only take in animals that actually need to be rescued. In other words, there's no there's no breeding program in this sanctuary. If you go out there, <laughs> to a certain extent, you're actually lucky if you ever see animals because for most of the design out there. The walkway for humans is located a great distance above these incredibly large enclosures where animals actually have underground dens. For instance, where bears can choose to hibernate if the heat gets to be too much during the summer months. The the lions, the tigers, the bears, etc. All of those can kind of go into their underground dens and be very, very safe. I know that there are also rescues and actually in the Facebook group this week we had a really good conversation. I think she was a hawk that had somehow been injured and this hawk was being trained to be an ambassador and to be an educator. So the hawk was given food in exchange for doing something that the trainer was asking it to do. And so I posted in the Facebook group that I really wasn't sure about that. I really wasn't how I really didn't know how I felt about that because I am aware that sometimes in zoo programs and in zoo training programs, food is withheld. 
because of course a lot of animals and you might imagine again yourself if you don't get food and aren't able to have access to food kind of when you want to have access to food and it's withheld chances are good that your behavior might very well be modified to a point where you're just like okay fine yes I'll do this thing just so long as you give me food and I don't know whether that's always the case I worry that it is and one of the individuals the members of the Facebook group said that she was part of a of a raptor um, rescue group and that when possible animals are released into the wild and I do know that I do not know that for instance um, sometimes bats are released back into the wild my favorite place bat world sanctuary down in Texas that they do release them in the wild and they do attempt to rehabilitate them both physically emotionally and mentally to see if it is possible to release them and in the Facebook group discussion she was also saying in this particular rescue that she volunteers at that the birds the raptors were fed on a regular basis and that those who gave pretty clear indications that they did not want to be part of the ambassador and educator program were basically left alone that they were not asked to go in you know to perform and to be able to lift up a a wing or to spread the wings to whatever it is that that particular trainer was wanting that bird to be able to do that they then weren't asked to do that she also said that the perception of the rescue group and if she's listening I hope she uh, will correct me if I'm misquoting this that everything was done to prevent euthanasia even if a bird was tremendously injured and therefore not able to be released out into the wild they always tried to be able to get that bird back to a place where at least from human perception they would be able to live a happy and healthy life and my thought to that and my response to that is as we've talked before on the podcast rather than viewing euthanasia from the human only perspective of it's a negative thing it's a bad thing it makes us feel terrible I think frankly we're uncomfortable with having the ability to make those kinds of choices for other sentient beings my response was I would hope that they would ask the sentient being this is your life what is it that you would like to do would you like to stay here and remain part of this rescue group or because we're not able to set you back out into the wild and be comfortable with the fact that you're able to hunt and fly and build a nest and have babies and all the things that a beautiful raptor like you should be able to enjoy in this animal experience on this planet the other option would be that you not be on this life path that you get to make choices about whether you enter this training program to be an ambassador which again I, I don't think is necessarily a negative thing it's just that I, be, I believe that sentient beings kind of everywhere including human it's good to be able to have that choice to be able to make that choice about if you are in a place where the physical body isn't able to support you anymore that you're offered an opportunity 
to make those choices for yourself because I perceive as stewards on the planet, as humans, that is part of why we're here, of being able to facilitate a release. And in the Facebook group, I I said rather than euthanasia being viewed as a negative thing, I wondered whether it couldn't be seen as yet um, another and a different kind of a release. Animal communication has a long way to go on the planet, <laughs> although it's getting better. And I just, I, again, I think a steward's on the planet um, rather than force animals into places of, for instance, conservation, um, that we could more move rather toward preservation, which of course kind of dovetails in, at least in my head, of the whole pandemic and how we got here to begin with. It, we got here because we destroyed natural territory for a lot of animals on the planet. It's uncomfortable, I think, you know, as our companion animals do from time to time of holding up that mirror for us, of looking into the mirror, as I like to say, on a bad hair day. I hope that going forward and as we recreate not necessarily even a new normal, but as we recreate in a mindful way, moment by moment, our relationship with the planet and all of the beings on her, that we seek to reach for balance, that we seek to understand all the other species on the planet are in this just as much as we are. They're having the same storms that we are. They just happen to be in very different boats. And as long as we can have and maybe reach for more compassion for those beings in different boats that we are, that, that we might be able, first and foremost, to make better choices for ourselves and by extension them. Because all the other animals on the planet, that's pretty much what they do. They strive to make good choices for themselves knowing that they are in partnership with every other species on the planet. I don't know about you but as I've said before that makes them quite heroic in my eyes. I'm Lizanne Flynn. This has been the Animals Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.